What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Figures of Sport podcast. And we got something we got something cooking up for today. We got the NBA trade deadline special today. Um, now, the NBA trade deadline came. It did not disappoint. Um, now, there were a few minor deals that happened either a few weeks before or even the day of the trade deadline. But I really want to focus on the big ones here today. Um, and really... The first deal that kind of got the deadline cooking was the Rockets moving Capella in a four-team deal. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of uh, lay out the trade details and then just, you know, break them down and go in depth and uh, kind of give out my grades for that. So um, the Houston Rockets get Robert Covington and Jordan Bell, but Bell was traded with the second-round pick to Memphis for forward Bruno Caboclo and a second round pick. So they aren't even going to see Jordan Bell. They really just got Bruno Caboclo. Uh, 2024 second round pick via Golden State. And the Hawks get Capella and Nene. Minnesota then gets Malik Beasley, Juan Hernan Gomez, Evan Turner, Jared Vanderbilt, and a 2020 first rounder from the Brooklyn Nets that's lottery protected. The Nuggets get Gerald Green, uh, Bates Diop, Shabazz Napier, and then he was then swapped to Washington for Jordan McRae, and then Noah Vonley and a 2020 first-round pick from the Rockets. Now for Houston, I see this as a scary move. You're giving up a guy who averages 14-14 and 14 this season for a guy in Covington who averages 13-6. and six. But that's not the point. The point is he's only 6'7". I mean, the Rockets are going full small ball, playing Tucker at the 5. And I'm not sure how I like this because when it really comes down to it, there is not a chance you are going to be able to beat a team like the Lakers with AD, Dwight, and JaVale in the, in, in the paint. I, I mean, there's no way you can do that. And yes, although they do get a wing defender, they lose size and strength in the post. That when it comes down to the slowed down playoffs... I see it really hard for them to move past some of these other teams. Um, Now, yes, the benefit of this full small ball lineup is the fact that, you know, there's going to be a lot of mismatches, obviously. Uh, For example, if you have a guy like Robert Covington playing your center position, guarding, you know, and Anthony Davis is guarding him, there's obviously a little bit of... uh, you know, an advantage on, you know, Covington's side, you know, being a little bit smaller, quicker uh, than Anthony Davis as a big, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be their times where it has its advantages. But I think when there's also going to be a lot of times when, you know, it's a disadvantage for them. Uh, I believe since the trade deadline or since, since this trade has passed, they are, They've lost two of their last three games. Um, I believe so. I mean, I don't know. I think that we really kind of got to see how... At the end of the day, I really think that this was the Rockets' year to say, we're going all in. And as crazy as it sounds, because, you know, there was the years that they had Chris Paul 
and Capella and Harden that they were going all in and they were doing everything possible. That's why they tried to try to get Jimmy Butler and et cetera, et cetera. But I think that this year they're going all in. I mean, they did the Westbrook trade. Um, they did the Westbrook trade, uh, and that kind of upgrades them in the point guard position. Uh, and West Westbrook has been playing better as of late. I mean, he's relatively calmed down on his, you know, shooting threes, uh, and he's been playing better. I mean, he's kind of fitting in more in this role, uh, essentially. So I, I, I like this for the Rockets uh, for right now. I really want to see how they try to adjust with this, you know, this small ball lineup. I'm not sure how I how I feel about it. I'm kind of like I said, I'm really mixed in there. But I know for a team like the Lakers, if you try to play them in a seven game series, I really don't see any opportunity for the Rockets to, you know, come out of that with, you know, and, and win four games. So that's just my opinion on it. But I think for Atlanta, this is good. You get a big who can run the floor with Trey Young. You give him some easy scoring opportunities there too. I mean, for Denver, I like this because one of the top three teams in the league quietly adds some pieces that could really, you know, be key additions for them. You know, I mean, looking back at it, Denver gets Gerald Green, Bates Diop, Napier, and Vonley, and they get a first-round pick. So you can't – I mean, the Rockets are – Although they're in the playoff picture, they're towards the bottom portion of the you know playoff picture. So there's a chance they can still get a uh, a bit of a higher seat, uh, uh, a higher draft pick. I mean that's that's valuable for the Nuggets. They get a veteran and score in Gerald Green. Uh, so I I think it's good. And Minnesota, I really want to hold off on Minnesota because I want to kind of wrap them all up together because. They essentially got eight new players uh, over you know the course of the day before and the day of the trade deadline. So I really kind of want to go in depth on the Minnesota Timberwolves new additions and then kind of go from there. But so the next deal I want to talk about is the Hawks and Sacramento deal. Sacramento deal. The Hawks are going to get Dwayne Dedman and a 2020 and 2021 second round pick. The Kings get Parker and Len now. I don't know if I like this deal because Atlanta just added Capella and Nene in the Houston deal, but they do add two second-round picks uh, for you know this year and next year's draft, which I do like a lot. I mean, Atlanta has a young team, and they're continuing to grow, so it's good. Uh, for Sacramento, I really don't know what they're doing over there, so I'm not sure how this truly fits for them. So... Uh, but the next deal I want to get into is the Warriors and 76ers deal. So 76ers get Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson the third, and the Warriors now um, get three second-round draft picks. They get one in 2020 from Dallas uh, via Dallas, one from 2021 via Denver, 2022 via Toronto. So now I like this deal for both teams because Philly adds – Two guys from the Warriors, one in Alec Burks, who averaged 16 points a game and shot 38% from three, and Glenn Robinson, the third, who averaged 13 points and shot 40% from the three, to a team in Philly that desperately needs more shooting. Um, 
Philly is a very dysfunctional team right now. We'll we'll kind of save that for for the end, the closing. Uh, but you know, and for Golden State, this is a team that's taking full advantage of their down season. I mean, they are adding a lot of future assets for this team. Um, yes, I understand that a second round pick may not be uh, something that really matters, but. There's been players in recent history that have come from the second round to become, you know, all-stars. Um, guys like Jimmy Butler and uh, Draymond Green were towards the bottom portions of their respective draft classes, and, and look at where they are now. I mean, Jimmy Butler's leading the Miami Heat uh, to the second seed right now, and Draymond is a three-time champion. So, I mean, you really it kind of – and the Warriors are a good organization, so I think they can – uh, build this talent so I think that this is a really good deal for both teams I think 76ers getting these two guys uh, I don't think that they're going to be asked to score this much but I mean hey if these guys Burks and, and Robinson can come off the bench for Philadelphia a team that really needs help off the bench um, I really think that <clears throat> these can be two really good additions for this team uh so, like I said, we'll get more in-depth on uh, Philadelphia's current problems, uh, new set of problems every year, it seems like. So, we'll talk about that later. But the next thing I want to talk about is the trade that puts Iggy back, essentially, into the NBA. Um, the Heat get Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, and Solomon Hill from the Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies receive Justice Winslow, Deion Waiters, who was waived, and uh, Gorgie Dang from Minnesota, who entered in as the third partner of the deal, and they get James Johnson. So, um, like I said, Deion Waiters was waived. Uh, the Lakers are currently thinking about going after him. Uh, there's also been reports that, you know, after the trade deadline with the Lakers being inactive, uh, they're looking at, you know, Darren Collison and uh, J.R. Smith was another name that popped up. But we'll talk more about that later as well. Now, I like this deal for Miami a lot. I think they move off of Winslow and Waiters, who have yet to really contribute to this Miami team. I mean, Winslow, I believe he played less than 20 games already this season. Uh, And Iggy, you add Iggy and Crowder and Hill, who I think will fit in very well with this team, you know, this Heat team led by Butler. I mean, here's the thing. I feel like Pat Riley at this point is giving he I don't think Pat Riley expected this from this team. You know, I really don't because if he expected this why wouldn't you have paired Jimmy Butler? If you knew that this is what this team could do, why wouldn't you pair Jimmy Butler with another guy? Why wouldn't you try harder to get Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook or or, or a guy like that here? You know what I'm saying? I I don't I don't believe that Pat Riley saw this coming, at least not now, at least not this soon, um, not in their first year together. I don't think he saw this cohesive unit that they are. I don't think he saw them come together uh, like this. And I think that adding Iggy, especially over a piece in you know Winslow and Waiters, who especially Waiters really was not really even a part of the team this season so far, um, I really think that when you move off of these two guys – Young guys that, you know, really might not be in the right roles for them or in right positions for them. Uh, I think you get them out. You get 
them both to get a new opportunity to, you know, play somewhere else. I think I think it's really good because, you know, Justice Winslow now goes to the Memphis Grizzlies where he's going to be playing with John Morant and Jaron Jackson. So, I mean, like I said, I, I think that this is going to be really, really good for them. Uh, for the Grizzlies, really, really good for the Heat. I think Pat Riley realized that this year they have a chance. And I think that when you put together the pieces like, you know, Andre Iguodala, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, Bam Adebayo, uh, and all led by Jimmy Butler, the guy who no one thought could really lead the team, lead a team to... uh you know, a championship, the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, Jimmy Butler's always been counted out, and he's doing it big this year. And and this guy, he's he's honestly not even required to do a lot of work. That's what's that's the hardest part to believe about all this. Jimmy Butler is leading um, this team vocally. I mean, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Like, Jimmy Butler is the heart and soul of this team. And the reason I say that is because the guy is averaging 20.5 points, 6.8 rebounds, 6.2 assists uh, per game now. And his PER, for those who really kind of focus on PER as uh, as a, you know, stat to go by, is 24.21, which is 12th best in the league. Jimmy Butler is a guy that really, really, I've, I've, I've always loved Jimmy Butler. And being from Chicago, I saw Jimmy Butler come in as a rookie and then slowly start to get minutes behind Luol Deng, learn from Luol Deng defensively, grow offensively into the guy he is now, and look at the leader he is. And I think that Jimmy Butler is a guy that, has always been counted out as a, he can't be a 1A star. Um, he's more of a a two guy, you know, he's the sidekick, something like that. I think that was always the representation of Jimmy Butler. And I think, I'm not, not that I'm comparing Jimmy Butler to Kawhi, but this Heat team honestly reminds me of the Kawhi-led Raptors team last year. I mean, you have Kawhi Leonard, you have veteran pieces like, you know, Kyle Lowry, uh, Marcus Gasol, and then you got emerging young other pieces like Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam. I mean, you got another veteran in, in Ibaka. You got, you know, Ananobi, Ananobi um, you know, Powell. Like, you have all these guys that are similar to the Heat in in a way. Uh, The Heat, now Andre Iguodala, uh, Jay Crowder, Jimmy Butler, uh, Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn. Uh, I mean, you can name Bam Adebayo. Like, they have a good group of, like, veterans, young talent. Like, they can put it together. I don't think that they make the finals this year. I'll be honest with you. I think that Giannis and... The Bucks are playing at a different level right now, um, so I don't really see them going to the finals. But the fact that they have this core together for years, not to mention that Pat Riley is no sucker. 
Pat Riley is going to go out and he's going to get, if he knows he needs another piece to take his team to the next level, Pat Riley's going to do what Pat Riley has to do. So Pat Riley's going to do that this summer. I think that, like I said, I don't have them going to the finals or winning the finals this year, but I think that this team is a serious contender in years to come as long as they keep this core. Uh, 35 and 18. This is a great team. So I, I really, really am excited to see what they do over the rest of the season and see how pieces like Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill, and, uh, you know, <coughs> Andre Iguodala kind of slide in. We'll talk more about Jimmy Butler later, too, when we bring up Philadelphia. There's a connection between the two uh, as of recently. But so, like I said, for the Wolves, as they were a part of this deal, We'll discuss that after this because this is the blockbuster deal I've really been waiting to talk about. And it's D'Lo to the Wolves, finally pairing him and Carl Anthony Towns together. Now, the Timberwolves get D'Angelo Russell, Jacob Evans, and Amari Spellman from the Warriors. And the Warriors are going to be getting Wiggins, a 2021 top three protected first round pick, and a 2021 second round pick, right? The reason that they opted to go to 2021 is because, um, honestly, I believe that, first off, this year's draft is not uh, projected to be as, you know, great as 2021's draft class, I mean, uh, you know, draft class, as well as you know, free agency. So in the summer of 2021, uh, there's a chance for, you know, guys like Chris Paul, LeBron, Kawhi, Blake Griffin, Paul George, uh, you know, Gordon Hayward, Conley, Lowry, DeRozan. Uh, There's, there's a lot of guys, you know, Giannis is a free agent. Anthony Davis, um, I believe is a free agent. If he doesn't pick up his PO, I believe so. Um, but, you know, like I said, I apologize. Anthony Davis is this summer. My bad. Uh, Giannis is going to be on, you know, a free agent as well. So there's there's a lot of pieces in that 2021 summer that the Warriors, I feel like, are gearing up for. Uh, you know, they could possibly make a move. Now, For the Warriors, like I said, I think I like this move. And the reason I say I think is that we won't know how this fits until next year. Now, the same thing could have been said with D'Lo. The Warriors realize that they truly don't need a a third Splash Brother, which I agree with. I think having a guy like Wiggins um, puts him in a role similar to Harrison Barnes. And this also removes the spotlight from Wiggins from being a star to a role player surrounded by star players. I mean, Hall of Fame caliber players, guys who've won multiple championships. Uh, I think when you put a healthy Steph, a healthy Clay, and a healthy Draymond next to Andrew Wiggins, it sounds like a better fit than, than they do with D'Angelo Russell, but we have to see how it fits next year. But regardless, I think that with the Warriors adding all these future assets in 2021, this is a team that could be poised for future addition or maybe some very nice pieces in a couple of seasons. But I think that that future major addition sounds more realistic. And now the reason I believe that is simply because, look at this. There's The 2021 draft is, like I said, supposed to be a better draft class. 
Now, if it's a better draft class, wouldn't I want to be a part of that? You know, wouldn't I want to have a pick in that draft class? If it's better, I would want to have that better, the better draft class, the better prospects, the better team, because essentially what they are hoping here is that it's a top three protected pick, which means they hope that Minnesota is pretty bad. Hopefully landing a lottery pick at least. A lot, a chance at a lottery pick at least, right? That's at least what they're hoping for the Timberwolves, which is realistic. Let's be honest. I mean, the West is stacked. We have teams underperforming this season. For example, Portland, but I think that the West is stacked. And I think that there's a chance the Timberwolves can miss it because, like I said, I still don't think they're 100% there to make the playoffs and go, um, you know, have a chance. But, you know, like I said, I think... A future edition, supposedly Giannis and, and Curry, have. there's been rumors before. I'm just talking about it because I see this lining up to be something in that type of uh, fashion. You know what I'm saying? I think that in 2021, you think about it, that's this, uh, that's next season. And I think that if, for example, a possible sign and trade with the Warriors getting uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'm not even going to try to say his last name. But with the Warriors trying to add the Greek freak and possibly shipping off Andrew Wiggins and a draft pick or two or more, I don't know. But it sounds like it's something that can be possible. You know what I'm saying? I think that... Andrew Wiggins is going to be another guy similar to uh, D'Angelo Russell where he's going to be a trial and error type of player. I think that if it comes down to it, um, he's not the long-term fit. I think that he fits a need right now at the position because they're very – they lack any, you know – like wing players like that, you know, they have a lot of guard. They have their guards. They have Dre. They have, but they don't have a wing. They lost KD and tried to replace him with. They tried to replace a seven footer with a six four, six five point guard, shooting guard in D'Angelo Russell. Didn't work out. Now adding a guy like Wiggins, who's a bit bigger, who's a wing player, who has all the tools to be the type of player to excel in their system, I feel like it's going to take a little while to see if it actually truly fits. Um, but like I said, I think that he could also be another piece that we they we see moved uh, similar to D'Angelo Russell as they've already acquired assets. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. We really will have to wait and see how it goes, but... Now, for the Timberwolves, they've accumulated basically an entirely new team. I mean, they've acquired eight new players with a young core of D'Lo, Cat, uh, Culver, and Okogi. They have a chance to grow into something special. D'Lo and Cat supposedly been wanting to play together for a while, and hopefully this now lights a spark in Minnesota. I mean, I really would like to see the Timberwolves uh, play well. I mean, like I said... I've always said this when I talk about, you know, sports as a whole. I want to see competitiveness. I want to see quality. I don't want to see a team in baseball losing 100 games in a season. I want to see everyone competing 
for a playoff spot because that's what makes the game fun. That's what makes it enjoyable. That's another thing that helps with attendance. I mean, that's a simple thing. If you can make a better brand for yourself, you're you're going to get more people interested. I mean, it's it's simple. So for Minnesota, this is a chance for them to really kind of grow into something special here. I think I think it can happen. I really do. Um, but we'll see. They have a new young core, new young nucleus. So let's see over time how they how they build together. I really want to see. I'd be exciting. Minnesota is a team that has the talent, and I think that when you put together a guy like D'Angelo Russell, who's quick, who is you know pick and pop ability, he can drive, he can he can dish. Um, he's young. I think that he can be really, really good. I think that he just needs some stability and a fit. And I think that being that he just signed that four-year deal, uh, you know, with Golden State and that he's after this season, you know, finishing out this season, he has three years left. I think that him and Cat, you know, Cat's going to want to stay there now, obviously. Um, That was definitely, that was Minnesota, that was, that was him telling Minnesota to get uh, you know, D'Lo or I'm out. So uh, I think that Carl Towns now, he's going to stay there. They're going to fit together. They're going to be a good duo. You know, pick and pop game is going to be nice. Uh, pick and roll game is going to be really nice. I think that this can be good. And they have nice pieces around them. Uh, you know, they got some veterans in there as well. So I think that overall, this... This team is now going to have a lot of new faces, a lot of new piece, uh, you know, pieces to you know, add to the offense, to the defense. And I think that over time, uh, we won't see an immediate impact on this team. So I don't think we're going to see this team make the playoffs this season. But I definitely think that uh, over the course of these years, I think that the, the key, there's you know, key young pieces that have to develop a certain way. Uh, they're projecting them to, you know, grow a certain way. And I think that has to happen first before we really see them make a splash. So, uh, I think it'll happen soon though. So the next trade I want to talk about is the one that left everybody kind of scratching their heads. I mean, the Cavs get Andre Drummond and the Pistons get John Henson and Brandon Knight, who are both expiring contracts and a 2023 Second round pick, which is the lesser of Cleveland's or Golden State's, they're getting, they got a guy who's still in high school. I believe that's what? Freshman? He's a freshman in high school right now? I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, there's two expiring contracts and a guy who's still in high school right now. I mean, most likely, it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. And then the fact that Andre Drummond himself uh, is also an expiring contract, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. They traded, uh, I guess they figured the Pistons get something out of nothing, uh, but I'm sure you could have done something better. I mean, that trade just doesn't even make sense. I really don't understand this deal. And the reason I say that is why trade Drummond to the Cavs and then hold on to guys like Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin and Luke uh, Kennard. The return for Andre Drummond was absolutely nothing. I mean, 
Another reason why I didn't understand this deal was because the Cavs already have a loaded front court with Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love, and they didn't move either of them. I mean, all around, it doesn't make sense to me for either team. And Drummond was he was really upset. I mean, he was traded without notice. Talked about the NBA not showing loyalty, and really kind of showed him how this is just a business. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who gave his heart and soul to Detroit, and they didn't even get they didn't even get a good return for him, and they sent him to Cleveland. I mean, come on, but. The last and final trade I really want to discuss is the one that was taken away from the Lakers, really ripped away from the Lakers. And the reason I say it was ripped away, ripped away is because, listen to this, the Clippers get Marcus Morris Sr. and Isaiah Thomas, and he was waived. But the New York Knicks get Mo Harkless from the Clippers, so Maurice Harkless, a 2021st round pick, and a second round pick via Detroit. The Wizards get Jerome Robinson. Now, for the Knicks, this isn't a bad deal. Although Harkless was a key piece in Portland last year, he hasn't worked out in LA. I mean, they traded one forward for another in their already loaded front court, uh, but they do have a first round pick in this year's draft. So I really can't complain. Uh, I guess they they did something a little bit better, you know, uh, adding that first round pick that's at least one asset for them. So. For the Clippers, this is a great deal. I mean, you add Marcus Morris, a guy who averaged 20 points, almost 20 points a game in New York, shot 43% from three. I do not think that's going to stay in that range um, while he's with the Clippers. I think he's going to get a little bit less touches, um, you know, so he's not going to be in that same rhythm uh, that he is able to when he's really one of the primary ball handlers in New York or primary scores in New York, my apologies. But uh, they now have five players who average at least 18.9 points per game in Morris, Montrez Harrell, Lou Will, Paul George, and Kawhi. I mean, come on. That's, it's tough. I mean, they also add another guy who they can really throw at LeBron. I mean, Marcus Morris isn't a guy who, listen, there's no LeBron stopper. There's no LeBron stopper, and I've always been a fan of the LeBron stopper. I mean, I was the guy who, when he was on the Heat, would have would be so excited for them to play the Bulls so Luol Deng could you know, try to stop him or slow him down, and Jimmy Butler, because I love seeing them do it. I mean, I thought that these guys were the LeBron stoppers, so... Uh, there's really no LeBron stopper, especially not Marcus Morris. I think that this is just another guy who's tough, who's physical, um, who you can throw at LeBron in the playoffs and and really kind of, you know, they can go up against each other and he can give LeBron uh, a little bit of a hard time, you know, make it make things a little bit harder than they usually are on LeBron. And, and that goes to say they also got Kawhi and Paul George and, uh, you know, so I think that this can be, this can be good. I think this can be really good. So, uh, now the reason I say that this one was ripped away from the Lakers is that they were, there were reports saying that the Knicks wanted both Danny Green and Kuzma for Morris, but in return for Morris got Maurice Harkless and a pick. I mean, this seemed like a blatant request from the Knicks showing that there seems to be some sort of tension like with dealing with the Lakers. I 
and this is a guy who's looking on the outside in. This clearly see like looks like that they go to the Clippers and they say, "Listen, if this is what you want, this is what we want." And then you say, if you see Mo- Maurice Harkless's name and a first round pick when you just gotten a bunch of picks, you know. Why, why not? I mean, you just got rid of all of them. You might as well just do one more. You might as well get rid of one more pick. I mean, they, for, for just Mo Harkless, a guy who who is not, especially with the fact that I personally think that, you know, that trade alone, Maurice Harkless a guy who's really contributed not much to his team and a first-round pick for a guy who's averaging 20 points a game and shooting 43-44% from three, and then go in return and ask, ask the Lakers for a, a veteran guy who's been to the finals, has multiple championships, and in Danny Green and say you want him and, and, and a young Kyle Kuzma? No, I, I think that that is ridiculous. And if the Lakers were to take that trade, they would have been, it would have been bad. It would have been really bad. It would have been really, really bad. I think that would have made their team a lot worse, a lot worse, especially knowing that this is a one-year deal. They just signed Danny Green for two years instead of control of Kyle Kuzma. Um, I think that this would have been a really, really bad deal for the Lakers, and I'm glad they did not do that. Um so, I hope now for the Lakers, being that they're out of the uh, Darren Collison race, they can find some pieces to finish off their team for the final push for the playoffs. I mean, I don't think they necessarily need someone, but if they can find that one more guy, you know, that one more piece that fits this team, you know, isn't a guy who's kind of just an extra guy, you know, he's the guy that does exactly what you look, you're looking for, you know, if you're looking for a ball handler and you get a guy who can, you know, get a shot up, you know, do his thing when he, you know, when you give him the ball, he's not going to, you know, expect everything to be handed to him, go out there and do it. I mean, Deion Waiters is a ball handler. That's a guy that he can, he can catch fire. And, and there's a guy you know, J.R. Smith is another guy who can play defense and he can, you know, he can catch fire too. And I, and I think that these are viable options for this Lakers team. But these guys have to be willing and understanding that the situation here is that their chemistry is not, I mean, this is a team, they're the number one team in the Western Conference. Their chemistry already flows well together. I mean, they're a great, solid team. They just need a piece to kind of give him a fresh body, you know, a fresh, a new, a new piece, a new, a new person for teams to kind of be a little weary of. And I think that Andre Iguodala would have been an amazing piece. I think that if Iggy had landed in uh, L.A. with the Lakers, I think that that would have been ideally their f- most favorite acquisition, acquisition, if not that Derrick Rose. Um but I think that uh, you know adding this, you know adding one of the two guys in waiters or um, 
you know, J.R. Smith, it, it won't necessarily be a bad thing. So I'm excited to see what, what happens here. And overall, this was a trade deadline that dis- didn't disappoint. I mean, some teams moved around some pieces that are going to show an improvement over time. While some pieces added, uh, you know, some teams added pieces to gear them up for a playoff run. I mean, it's going to be a fun season. And we're going to be back covering fresh NBA news. I mean, the latest thing I can hear NBA-wise is that there's a lot of uh, a word that we're very familiar with hearing in Philadelphia, dysfunction. I mean, this team is dysfunctional. I mean, they have two of the NBA's brightest young stars in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Uh, They also have a guy in Tobias Harris who they overpaid for, uh, in my opinion, by a lot of money. Uh, yes, he's had his stretches, but he also is a guy who can be fairly inconsistent. Uh, I'm not really... If you gave me the option to choose Tobias Harris or Jimmy Butler, I'm sorry, but I'm going to pick Jimmy Butler every single time. Uh, sorry. And that's no disrespect to Tobias Harris. He's a guy who averages 19-6 and 6.7 rebounds and 3 assists. In fact... He almost, almost averages as many points as Jimmy Butler and averages only half as many assists. So, I mean, pretty close statistically, but I personally would take Jimmy Butler 100 times over Tobias Harris. I'm sorry, but um, I really kind of just think that this dysfunction that they got there there is Embiid and there is Ben Simmons and that the two cannot coexist. That Ben Simmons needs an open lane to operate. He needs shooters around him and Ben Simmons with the ball and everybody clear out. Can't do that if Embiid is in the post. But you also can't have Embiid at the three-point line and change his whole game because he's a guy who's more of a traditional big who can put somebody in the post and, and body them up. And... He's a guy who can also stretch out and shoot the three, but you take this aspect of his game away and he's not as, you know, he's a different type of player. As we saw with LeBron and Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh was a guy who's dynamic. He can step out and shoot a jump shot, but he can also, uh, you know, bring the ball and, you know, just score at will, kind of. You know, in Toronto, he can, you know, he was dunking and post moves and jump shots and everything. He gets to Miami, his game becomes more one-dimensional, and it becomes a three and uh, you know a three-pointing a three-point three and D type of guy. You know, I apologize, um, but he becomes a three and D type of guy, and uh, for a stretch four, and somebody who's as talented as Chris Bosh, you know, and I think that uh, you don't want to take that away from Embiid. I also think a portion of this is really kind of falls on to the coaching. I think that the coaching uh, in Philadelphia needs to change already. I think that Brett Brown has done as best of a job as he could possibly do. But I really think that there's just been times where he's said that he doesn't have control of his team. And I think that that's really, really bad. I think that this team is kind of really just a bunch of immature young kids. And there's also been reports that, as I said earlier, you know, Jimmy and Embiid, Jimmy uh, might have, may or may not have been recruiting Joel Embiid on his Instagram post. I mean, Embiid said, uh, he posted an Instagram 
uh, picture uh, with the caption talking about you die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And Jimmy Butler says something along the lines of, I know where villains are welcome. And, you know, I don't know if it's hinting at something, but one of the two is going to be on the trading block this summer. I think that this is going to be uh, – because there is a chance the way this team is so dysfunctional. I mean, they have two home lo- two losses at home. The rest of their losses this season are on the road. They're horrible on the road. Horrible team on the road. Horrible team on the road. And I don't see them going – Especially in in the the way the seating is right now, I don't even believe that they would be a home team, which means that you would have to win four games and only three of them are at your house. I don't think that they can do it. I really, really don't. Um, As of right now, they'd be the five seed. They'd be playing Miami. And honestly, I don't think that they'd be able to beat Miami. I really, really don't. So, this is something to definitely keep an eye out, you know, eye on. Um, but as of right now, if I had to make a prediction for the finals, I'm going to have to say that I I have the Lakers still coming out of the West, but from the East, okay, from the East. I think it has to be Milwaukee. Giannis is on a tear, and it's looking like another MVP season from him. But there's a big, big part of me that really wants to see Miami in the finals and really wants, like, a big, big part of me says Miami, say Miami, but... There's another part of me that kind of like thinks like that realistically I think it's going to be the Bucks because they're probably I mean they have one of the best players in basketball, one of the top 3 best players in basketball. I mean I think that it's the Bucks. But man, if it was Miami, that would be an amazing. So we will we'll get back. That's all I got for this episode. But we'll be back soon, so stay tuned for the next episode of Figures of Sport.